As I told you earlier, this is Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. When you say Palm Sunday, I'm reminded of a, a cute story. There was a little boy uh, on Palm Sunday, he had a sore throat. So he had to stay home with a babysitter and he couldn't go to church. When the rest of the family went to church and they came back, they were all carrying palm branches. And the little boy asked, you know, what are, what, is the, what are these branches for? And his father told him, oh, uh, these branches were held over Jesus' head when he walked by today. The boy was very disappointed. And with a sad, disappointed voice, he said, wouldn't you know it? The one Sunday I miss church, Jesus shows up. I'm praying that Jesus is with you wherever you are listening from this Sunday. You know, in John chapter 11, after Jesus raised Lazarus from being dead for four days, um, he did a miracle. And after four days, this miracle got very popular amongst all the people, even amongst those who opposed Jesus. So, the uh, story in John 11, I'm going to ask Melanie to sing it to us. It's uh, called Four Days Late. News came to Jesus Please come fast Lazarus is sick And without your help He will not last Mary and Martha, they watch their brother die. They waited for Jesus, he did not come. They wondered why. The death watch was over. Was called for 
Lazarus was raised from the dead after four days, even those religious and, and uh, leaders and others who were against him suddenly seemed to have changed sides. So today I'm going to talk to you about how the scene went from cheers to jeers. From cheers to jeers. Let's look at the cheers first. In John 12 verses 13 through 15, this is what it says. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. You see, when Jesus emerged in the public scene, right, he was an overnight success. He was a sensation. He would try to go off and, in fact, uh, be alone sometimes, but the crowds were coming after him. They, they saw the miracles. They saw what he did, what he said. And he even, in fact, had to get on a boat and go across to the other side to get away. And people still followed him there. Now, on Palm Sunday, leafy branches were waved and spread across and, and, and his path was covered with uh, uh, clothes that, that, that the donkey he was riding on wouldn't be able to even step on the, the, the street. And Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna is what people said. You know, Hosanna, the, the meaning of Hosanna is save us now. Save us now, Jesus. Save us now. And crowds came to hear him and they, even the religious leaders and everybody in the country had come at that time. There was a move that swept them. Now, remember, they were not looking for a savior to save them from their sins. They were simply looking for somebody who could get them out of Roman rule. 
they were under the uh, under the thumbs of the romans or like slaves to them and they were hoping that this jesus who raised lazarus from the dead and thinking if he can raise the dead he can definitely get them out of the romans uh, uh, care right so with the triumphant entry of jesus we come in and see that he came on a donkey's colt to jerusalem and they shouted hosanna but the grand entrance didn't turn out quite the way they thought what happened they sort of had the right idea but at the end they missed it because all the cheering and the hosanna and the clapping and the jaiveva and and whatever else they they shouted there began to suddenly take a turn so the cheers what happens turned to the jeers the ridicule the cheering didn't last long you know they came to a point when the tide had begun to change because now as jesus went along if you look at the first part of even the book of john there's so many miracles turned water into wine and raised the lame man and healed the blind man and 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 did so many things and then in john chapter 11 he raises lazarus from the dead and everything kind of peaked and they said hosanna but then jesus was uh, moving in to another or the i would say the more deeper and the greater level of his ministry and what happens they began to criticize him the crowds probably got lesser and they began to get more courage earlier they were probably scared to oppose him but now the cheers started to become jeers and when they discovered that they could not discredit his moral character they began to take uh, more desperate measures before it was all over what happened this storm from within them began to catch momentum and it grew and grew and and what happens it brought jesus to his knees under the weight of a cruel cross in matthew 27 22 and 23 this is what it says pilate responded then what should i do with jesus who is called the messiah they shouted back crucify him why pilate demanded what crime has he committed but the mob roared even louder crucify him why is it that the same people who waved palm branches and shouted hosanna on sunday were the same ones who also shouted crucify him crucify him on friday why did the masses so radically turn against jesus how did the shouts of hosanna transform into the jeers of crucify him what were the underlying issues you know in 5 days everything fell apart why that is what i want to look at today why did the cheering stop i'll tell you why because the juicy parts of the ministry of jesus began to change the miracles the healings the blessings the words of encouragement and and, and him foretelling of through words of knowledge and other things all began to take a turn and now jesus talked not 
about blessing and miracles, but he talked more about commitment. He talked more about caring. He talked more about the cross. You know, my friend, this is called true discipleship. Sometimes we only like the fluff. I say the Bumai Mutai of the Christianity with healing and miracles. And we forget that Jesus came for a far greater purpose. He talked about the greater purpose at the end, in the middle and end of the book of John. You see, many Christians love the sensation of Christianity. I want to say it again. We love the healings, the words of knowledge, the prophecies, the signs and the wonders. And please, there is nothing wrong with that. I love those things. But you see, when Jesus was doing those things, the popularity swelled and everyone was singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But as the journey got a bit older, as the path got a bit rougher, as he began to prepare people for a greater lifestyle and prepare a people to be true disciples, the tide began to change. Jesus started to talk more about a few things that people didn't really like. They preferred the, the blessing part where they could only receive. But you know, Jesus was looking at a much greater time. You know, like in our time, if we are not taking all these signs and things that are happening in our lives and if we can't see how this is all adding up and how biblical prophecy is being fulfilled if you can't see that even the coronavirus is a warning of what is to come you know the prophecy in the bible was given 4000 years ago and then 2000 years ago through the new testament you know some things were written prophetically about the end i want to tell you if you don't believe that this world is going to end you better wake up because it is going to end and every prophecy that has been told and and up to now has been fulfilled if those things have been fulfilled won't the rest also be fulfilled i'm not talking about religion to me religion is just labels that you wear you know, I'm talking about God who cares about every human being, whatever religious or ethnic background they come from. A God who, in his mercy, you know, some people say, what mercy, what love. If, if there is a God who cares for mankind, why is all these things happening? My friend, it's happening because something called sin. And there is a devil also in this world. And he has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and God, in his mercy, says, I've come to give you life, but... He's telling us to come to him. We have to choose him. And if we don't choose him, then we have no leg to stand on. So Jesus began to prepare the people. He began to prepare. You know, God's love. He's giving us these warnings. And he's telling you, it's already written. You know, when the coronavirus came, Jesus didn't suddenly get surprised and say, Oh my goodness, now the coronavirus has come. What do I do? No, he already knew. He knows what's ahead. He's preparing mankind. We are so into ourselves. You know, look at all the things we've been doing. We want to build our, our, our images. We want to build our mansions. want to build who we are. But today, we have been flattened. Today, the, this, this whole uh, problem has flattened. Whether you're rich or poor, whether you are educated or not, it doesn't matter. Everybody is facing the same fear, facing the same issues not knowing what tomorrow holds. 
So what did Jesus do? He began to prepare his people. And Jesus, you know what he did? He talked less about those things, miracles and words and, and other things and healings. And he talked, I want to give you three things. The first thing is Jesus talked more about commitment. More about commitment. In Matthew 10, Matthew 10, 37 to 39, he said, if you love your father and mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. If you love your son or your daughter more than me, you are not worthy of me. If you re refuse to take up your cross and follow me, not if you take up your wealth, take up your uh, happiness, take up all the comforts. No, if you refuse to take up your cross, some of those tough things and hard things, and follow me, you're not worthy of me. If you cling to your life, verse 39, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. He said, you must love me more than anyone else in the world. You know, will you make the sacrifices you make for your family for Jesus? Maybe not. In the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 29, he says this. He says, if somebody saps you on one cheek, offer the other one also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. You see, when somebody slaps you on one side, what? Give the other one? What nonsense? No way. No, I'll, you know, I won't take revenge, but I'll get even. I want to tell you, my friend, that is not his way. Oh, you're saying, what about my rights? Well, he says, turn the other cheek. You see, he's talking more about true discipleship, being different to everyone else. The second thing is Jesus talked more about caring. He talked more about commitment, then he talked more about caring. He talked about caring. Luke 6, 27, 28, what is Jesus saying? He's saying some stuff that we think is, we think is crazy. Why? He says, love your enemies. What? Do good to those who hate you. Are you crazy? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Love your enemies. Don't gossip about them. Don't slander them. You know, it's easier to hate those who hate you and to love those who love you. But you see, that is not being a follower of Christ. He wants you to make a difference. He wants you to be salt in this world, flavor and preserve. He wants you to be light. Don't be like the darkness. Be different. He says this again, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. You know, it's easy to love those who love us and hate those who hate us. But Jesus said otherwise. Friend, remember, even dead fish can swim downstream. But it takes a live and kicking follower of Christ to turn around and swim against the current. In Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5, he says this. He says, don't judge others and you won't be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging will be used to judge you also. Then he goes on to tell this. He says, why worry about a speck 
in your friend's eye when you have a log in your eye? How can you think of saying to that friend, you know, get that speck, that little thing, that little mistake, the little weakness out of his eye when you have a log in your own eye? And in verse 5 it says, hypocrite. Hypocrite. You who say one thing on, on top and be something under. He says, hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your eye, then you will see enough to deal with the speck in your brother's eye. Judge not. Take care of our business first. Let's walk the walk and talk the talk. Let's not be hypocrites. And the third thing Jesus talked more about. He talked about, he talked more about commitment. He talked more about caring. And he talked more about a cross. In Mark 8, 34... In Mark 8:34 this is what it says In calling the crowd to join his disciples he said if any of you wants to be my follower you must turn from your selfish ways take up your cross and follow me Even in the church even in Christianity I want to tell you, we, we have a shallowness. When we don't step into true discipleship, when we don't start living the word, when we are only, we become blessing beggars. You know, we run after blessing, run after everything we can get. And all we want is what we can get. And when the miracle happens, when the healing happens, oh, we are Hosanna! Praise the Lord! We are right on top of the world. But as soon as things don't go our way, as soon as the coronavirus hits, as soon as our answers to prayer are delayed, or, or God is saying no, or he's saying wait, what happens? We begin to forget the hosannas, and we want to say, crucify him, crucify him, where is he? Where is God? I'm mad at God. Why are people so flaky? Why are people so weak? It is, I'll tell you, because of shallowness. Because we have not become true disciples. You know, Jesus didn't say, go ye and make a big crowd. I'm happy that God has given us a bit of a crowd. But he didn't say, go and make a crowd, go and make believers. He said, go ye and make disciples, make people who are true followers, who will follow the word of God. You know, today, today we can't meet. Today I'm preaching to an empty church. Right? We can't, we, we can't gather together. But I thank God that we spend so much time in discipleship. In, you know, sometimes some of you were so tired of saying, go into those classes, get into those small groups, learn the word, learn from each other, pray, and go beyond the Sunday sermon. And you did. And because you did, there are a, a, a lot of you today who are able to withstand and stand straight and withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. Why? Because he wanted true disciples. That's why he talked more about commitment, more about caring. And then finally, he talked more about a cross. You know, you don't get angry and mad because when God says, wait, God says no. Because you understand when you become a true disciple, when you are somebody who's getting close to God, that God knows always what he is doing. You know, when a little kid of three years old comes to you and tells you, uh, I want a razor blade. Please give me a razor blade. And you as an adult, will you give the little three-year-old a razor blade? No, you won't. 
Because you know that that, that that child will cut himself. You know, God in the same way sometimes does not give us some of the things we think we need. Matthew 7 verses 9 to 11 tells parents, says, If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask you for a fish, will you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you earthly sinful parents know what good gifts to give your children, how much more will your heavenly father in heaven give you good gifts when you ask? You know, today we are facing one of the greatest plagues in our recent history. Some of us in our lifetime. It has suddenly, like I told you, leveled everybody. But you see, biblical prophecy now is coming to light. In fact, like I say this all the time, you know, today it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to believe that there is a God. Because God's word that was written before electricity was even formed and talking about these times, talking about what is going to happen and now to see it fulfilled is coming that you have to believe in God and you have to know that there is a God who cares for everybody. You know, this Palm Sunday, I, I don't want us to come to the place of allowing bad history to repeat itself. We who shout Hosanna in the good times, when there are blessings and healings and miracles, I want you to know that we should shout Hosanna even louder in the tough times. You know, when he came to Jerusalem on, the, on a donkey's colt, Everybody had their own little reasons. And they were cheering him and waving palm branches, you know, because they could see what was happening. And they saw Lazarus's, or they heard of Lazarus's uh, coming back to life. And, you know, but there were some people, they were waving palm branches because they had political agendas. They, they, they wanted politically something to happen. They hoped Jesus could do it. They wanted to come out of under Roman rule. Then there were some who probably had sick people in their homes and they wanted Jesus, the healer, to heal them. Some came just to see what was going on. Some came because they wanted to follow him. But you know what? Everybody may have had a different agenda, but Jesus is the only one who knew why he really came to Jerusalem that day. Jesus was the one and the only one in the parade who knew that he came to Jerusalem to die. And to die on a cross. You see, he had a mission while everybody else had an agenda. You know, today, I really want you to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Not a religion, not even a church. Know God. Give him an opportunity. He'll never come by force. Because if he comes by force, you become a puppet. No, you have a choice. Like I prayed before we did communion. And if you prayed that prayer, believe in your heart. And even now you can say, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. I want to make sure. I want you here. And, and you know, he's the one who makes the difference in your life. He's the one. You know, sometimes we think when even God uses us or, or we are affiliated with what God is doing, that we are something and we are somebody. I heard this story I like to close with. It was the donkey that Jesus rode on. On Palm Sunday, it's a story, of course. You know, the donkey was so thrilled that people were waving palm branches and not allowing them to even step on the road because they had laid things across the road. And the next day, 
the donkey thought he'll go back into the city center and, and see, you know, how the people are because now he's a somebody. So the donkey goes back the next day and he thought he will uh, receive honor and, and they'll be excited to see him. But nobody took any notice of the donkey. So he was mad. He said, throw your garments down. Wave the palm branches. He said angrily, don't you know who I am? Someone slapped him on his tail and said, get out of here and chased him away. You know, the donkey was disappointed and hurt and he went to his mother confused. And the donkey told his mother the story and the mother told the donkey, foolish child, she said. Don't you realize that without Jesus, you are just an ordinary donkey? You know, I tell you that story because just like that donkey who carried Jesus into Jerusalem, we are most fulfilled when Jesus is in charge of us. Without him, Isaiah 64, 6 says, we are like filthy rags. We are nothing. You see, he brings the righteousness into our life. He comes in and he makes a difference. Today, I want to pray with you. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, wherever you are. It doesn't matter. Please don't walk, don't talk. Take this few moments and honor this time together. And just like we pr prayed for you to have eternal life and the forgiveness of sins, I want to pray for some of you who are going through a hard time. You don't know how to face tomorrow. Economy is crashing. No job, sometimes no money. Don't know how to face tomorrow. Some of you have sickness in your body and you don't know what to do. You need God to touch you. I want to tell you, I can't do any miracles even for myself. But I know Jesus can. And he can and he'll do it for you. Some of you... You need God to do a miracle in your relationship. Your heart is broken. There is, there is a problem even at home right now. And your relationships and there is unforgiveness and bitterness. I want to tell you, forgive right now. Ask Jesus to help you. And peace and joy will enter your home. Pain is going to leave you. Because God can do a miracle. I can't do anything, but I want to tell you, I serve a God who does miracles every week. He can do the impossible. You know, Lazarus was raised from the dead after four days. You know, my grandmother was dead. And after my father prayed, my grandmother came back to life. And she lived, not forever, for a season, because she came for a particular purpose and plan. Everybody does, who dies doesn't get raised up, because we are meant to die, right? And this, this, this life is going to end. But the choices we make now are the ones that hold us for eternity. So bow your heads, close your eyes. And if you have a need, whether it be financial, sickness, whatever it is, take your left hand, put it on your heart. Raise your right hand to heaven. And I want you to believe with me right now as I pray. Father in heaven, we come to you. Lord, I bring my brother, I bring my sister. I pray in Jesus' name that healing virtue will flow through these bodies that need a touch. Take away the pain. Completely heal them in the name of Jesus. Lord, by tomorrow there will be no pain and no sickness because of what you have done. I pray for those going through terrible uh, uh, anxiety and fear because of financial and economic problems. I pray for those with brokenheartedness, those relationships. Lord, the, the tears that are pouring, wipe away their tears. Lord, even medicine cannot heal a broken heart, but Jesus, you can. 
Go deep in and touch that heart. Give them hope. Let them know that you can do the impossible. You're the only one who can do it. And I pray for each one who believes in you and trusts in you right now. That virtue will flow through them. And Lord, that you will touch and lift them up in the name of Jesus. And you will complete the work. We give you all the praise and the glory. Thank you for hearing our prayer. And thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. And we will see you again on Good Friday.